Take two. All right. I'm awake. I'm awake. It's good to be back. Supposed to be a nice day today. Go out and enjoy it. The rest of the week is looking uh, a bit iffy. Um, Putting the uh, Northern Lights display on Thursday in question. Um, Thursday night looks like rain. All the experts are saying the best time to uh, see the Northern Lights, which we're supposed to be seeing in Michigan uh, this week is Thursday night into Friday morning from 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. And uh, right now, Thursday night looks like rain. But it's still early. It's it's Monday, so it can always change. Uh, it is, there, we are uh, under another air quality alert, but this time it's just good old-fashioned ozone. It's not the Canadian wildfire um, that's, that's, that's blowing our way. That's not going to happen again until the jet stream changes and uh, no word if today is going to be another record-breaking day for the temperature on earth but uh, like we had what it happened three times last week Uh, but I mean that's just that's just something that's going to continue from from now until forever I believe the last record was in 2016 so I don't know how we were able to go that many years without reaching a new record but uh, it's here now and uh, we're going to be breaking it multiple multiple times Congratulations to the Red Wings. They finally got the uh, Alex DeBrinkett deal done with a uh, trade with the Ottawa Senators. Uh, This thing seems like it was in the works forever. I just kind of Googled who else was in the Alex DeBrinkett uh, uh, sweepstakes, and there was articles going back to the beginning of June. Um, Farmington Hills guy, two-time 40-goal scorer. I think he made one all-star team. Uh, Wings send Dominic Kubelik, a prospect, and some draft picks over to Ottawa. The deal is worth four years, $7.8 million a year. Um, and, you know, I wonder, you know, with these hometown guys like uh, Debrinkit and Dylan Larkin, I wonder how much cachet dealing with Steve Iserman has. Because these guys are young, but, uh, like, Debrinkit was born in 1997, uh, Eiserman retired in 2006, so he probably got to see him play a decent amount before Eiserman retired. Dylan Larkin's the the same age, um, so very exciting. A lot of homegrown guys filling out this roster. And uh, man, remember when the Wings were good back in the hockey town days? Wouldn't it be great if that happened again? So we'll see. Uh, for the record, Debrinkit's favorite player growing up was Pavel Datsuk. So welcome. I would say welcome to Detroit, but I'll say welcome home. I got to say, during uh, my time off, I was having a great time following this White House cocaine story. And uh, my favorite my favorite part of this story is all the news coverage. People saying now investigators are warning that we may never know whose baggie of cocaine this is. They know. Come on. They know. They're just trying to save someone from embarrassment. And, I, and I'm not implying it's Hunter Biden. I don't think it's Hunter Biden's. Uh, from all accounts, uh, the Bidens haven't even been near the uh, uh, White House over the past week. Of course, Biden's uh, heading over to Europe. More about that in a second. Um, but they know. I, I mean, you got, the, you got the Secret Service. We've got the FBI. We got the CIA. If you want to find out whose bag of cocaine that was, uh, you're going fi- to figure it out. Um, and one thing I've, I, I've, I've learned 
uh, doing this show for, for the short time I've been doing it. It's how fast facts change, right? At first, this was in a unsecured, highly traveled area. Could have been anybody's. Now um, it's it's uh, been revealed that it's actually uh, it was near an executive entrance that was more secured and, and mostly used by the president, his cabinet, VIPs, and stuff like that. I got to be honest. I, I'm surprised this is the first time we've heard about drugs being found at the White House. I mean, uh, you telling me Kennedy's people didn't party? You telling me Bill Clinton's people didn't party? Um, George W. But his his partying days was uh, were over by the time he got to the uh, Oval Office. Um, I think I think Obama smoked weed in college. Uh, Donald Trump's people. You telling me Donald Trump's people didn't party, Mister Nineteen Eighties Manhattan opulence? So we'll see uh, if they if they um, you know even go forward with this investigation that's supposed to be wrapping up this week, but. There, there's there's no way there's no way that they're not going to find out if they really want to find out. Uh, the U.S. is sending Bidens and bombs to Europe this week. Of course, uh, like I said before, Joe Biden is in Europe for the NATO summit in Lithuania. Um, on the agenda is uh, Sweden's admittance to NATO, uh, which is up in the air because they've got some beef with Turkey. Uh, and Ukraine's admittance into NATO. Um, last I heard, President Biden said Ukraine's not ready to join NATO, which uh, it, if there's a time for Ukraine to join NATO, it's now. Um, you know, what's going on in Russia, I, they're not ready. What does that mean? They're not ready militarily. All they've been doing is holding off uh, what was supposed to be one of the most powerful militaries in the world from um, invading and taking over their country. Speaking of which, on Friday... The United States announced it was sending cluster bombs over to Ukraine as part of a large weapons package. And um, these cluster bombs, they're banned by over 100 countries um, because of risks they pose to civilians. And essentially what these cluster bombs are, they're a bigger bomb that releases smaller bombs in the air. And they're either um, launched launched up in the air or they're dropped from, from an airplane. And these bigger bombs, they disperse over a large area. And, uh, of course, that's unpredictable because you don't you can't control where these things go once you deploy them. On top of that, a good number of them um, actually don't deploy when they're supposed to. And they stay active for decades. So I know this has happened in Vietnam. This has happened in Cambodia where somebody would come across what 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 they thought was a dud cluster bomb. And it was still active and uh, and, uh, you know, it, it it detonated years and years after the war was over. So um, but as far as I know, these cluster bombs are already being used in the Russia-Ukrainian war. So um, we will see what happens with that big week for the president overseas. Auburn Hills police are saying that uh, there was no active shooter at Great Lakes Crossing over the weekend. Uh, about 6.50 on Saturday night, a fight broke out between teenagers sending shoppers running out of the mall. Uh, there were false reports going around that there was an active shooter. Now, one of the teens involved did use pepper spray, um, but no guns were fired, according to Auburn Hills police. Something like this happened, I think it was back in April. There was a fight outside a restaurant, and people thought guns 
guns were uh, were being fired, and that turned out to not be false. It's a shame, man. I mean, Great Lakes Crossing, I, I remember when it first opened, man. It was like, uh, why am I talking like a beat? Like, yeah, man, let's go to the mall, man. Uh, it, it was almost like a uh, tourist destination with uh, the Rainforest Cafe, GameWorks at the time, which is now an aquarium, and the Big Cabela's store. So hopefully um, hopefully they'll get that together. It just sounds like uh, teenagers uh, being knuckleheads and not quite um, thinking things through. That wasn't the only high-profile scuffle this weekend, by the way. Uh, a fight broke out at a hotel up in Clare during Saturday's GOP state committee meeting. And uh, this story is unbelievable. <laughs> I'm just going to read uh, what Craig Mauger wrote in the Detroit News. Um, a Republican from Wayne County said he traveled to Claire for a meeting, but was forced to listen through the door. Um, a man named James Chapman. He said uh, that him and others were saying the Pledge of Allegiance together in the lobby outside where the uh, where this meeting was take place. And, um, and and they were locked out. They were forced to listen through it to it through the door. Uh, Chapman, he wiggled the doorknob trying to get in. And then Mark DeYoung, who is the chairman of the Clare County Republican Party, heard um, Chapman jiggling the doorknob. He walked over to the door where he saw someone flipping him off through the small window. Uh, The the person flipping him off hasn't been identified. So DeYoung opened the door and he said that uh, as soon as he opened the door, quick quote, he kicked me in the. Sensitive area as soon as I opened the door. Scuffle intensified with Chapman running at DeYoung, slamming him into a chair, according to DeYoung. Uh, and uh, DeYoung was giving this account via the telephone from an emergency room because he says that he suffered a broken rib in this scuffle. Chapman uh, alleged that DeYoung said to him, I'll kick your blank and swung at him. Of course, DeYoung denies those claims. At one point, Chapman removed his own glasses, according to Chapman. And he says, when you see me taking off my glasses, I'm ready to rock. Chapman said he took DeYoung by the legs, knocked him over. Chapman said multiple police officers were at the hotel after the incident. And DeYoung said he had spoken with local sheriffs and intended to press charges against Chapman. That that almost reads like an article out of The Onion and... Uh, Look, I, there's there's a lot of Republicans, Michigan Republicans that I respect. And I know that this incident does not represent them. However, what what it does represent is the deep, deep divide that seems to um, continue to form and deepen in the Republican Party here in Michigan. A uh, little late. Got to hit the break. Be right back. First thing with Mike Parsons. Rashad Trice, the man accused of kidnapping and murdering his ex-girlfriend's two-year-old daughter, Winter Smith, is now facing federal charges and possibly the death penalty in the child's death. Former U.S. Attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan, Matthew Schneider on JR Afternoon with Chris Renwick. Winter Smith was strangled by a pink phone cord, uh, according to the FBI. Pieces of that phone cord were also found in the car of 26-year-old Rashad Trice, who now faces federal charges of kidnapping and kidnapping and resulting death in Little Winter's uh, homicide. And if 
convicted, the max penalty here is is a death penalty. Uh, Matthew Schneider, the former U.S. attorney for the Eastern District of Michigan, now a partner at Hahnemann, joins us. Matthew, great to have you with us. Do those federal charges um, stem because the FBI was involved? How did we get the federal charges on on this this person? Well, Chris, that is a a really good question here. That is the gravamen of the federal case. This is normally a state case where you have somebody who is murdered. That's always a state crime in every state in the union. Here, the federal government has just charged it. And in order to bring such a case, they have to have what's called an interstate hook. They have to have some influence on interstate commerce. What the complaint that was just unsealed by the U.S. Attorney's Office says is a couple things. It says, number one, that the vehicle that was stolen in which the child was, that vehicle was manufactured in China. And this person traveled on an interstate highway, which was Interstate 96. So they are arguing that that is their connection to interstate commerce. And they will need that because otherwise murder and kidnapping is a state crime. Is, is, do you, just from your, your, your history and your years in that office, is that a stretch? Well, part of it might be, I mean, most of the kidnapping cases I've seen or I've brought, they are kidnapping across state lines. That's really where you bring a federal kidnapping case. If you're going to say that the vehicle was made in another state, I think the only analogy you'd have there is it's also illegal to possess a firearm that has traveled across state lines. And if you're a convicted felon, you can't possess a firearm that was made in another state if you possess it in Michigan. So by analogy, what they'd be saying is something very similar, that you use this vehicle that was made outside of the, uh, uh, the United States. And that vehicle was what's called an instrumentality of interstate commerce. And it can be a stretch, but there is some case law on this. And, you know, this is still a developing situation. They don't know how he used his telephone. And if he used his telephone in certain ways, they found some records, but not all that's in here yet. If he used his phone to commit this crime and the phone was connected to the wires, which are, you know, cell phone towers that mm-hmm. relay or in different positions, that could also be another argument for them. And then they there isn't, uh, uh, according to these charges, kidnapping and then kidnapping resulting in in death. Um, and if he is convicted and his max penalty here is the death penalty, is that something um, that that you've seen before in a, in a case maybe like this? In the Western District of Michigan, where this is brought, they have had death penalty cases. We've had them in the Eastern Eastern District in gang cases. What's significant about this particular case is it's kidnapping of a minor victim. So by by minimum, the minimum amount of time if convicted, the defendant will receive 20 years. And then the maximum, he would receive life. Now, he's if he's convicted of kidnapping resulting in death of that crime, he gets a minimum of life, of life in prison mm-hmm. and a maximum could be death. Well, it's something that we're going to have to continue to look out for. Um, I, I, I guess I'm a little leery based on, on that information and the interstate commerce and uh, uh, or the, 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 that aspect of the story. Um, but, but perhaps federal uh, authorities feel like they've got on good authority and, and that's why they've gone this route. Matthew Schneider, appreciate the time and insight. Thank you. What a resource Matthew Schneider is for us here at WJR, by the way. He's always always great at, always a straight shooter and is always great at breaking uh complex legal matters down. Um 
So uh, more revelations about Rashad Trice and this um, tragic story have 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 come to light over the weekend. Uh, Rashad Trice, as we all know, is not the biological father of Winter Smith, but he does have a one-year-old biological child with Smith's mother, and that child was unharmed um, in this incident. Back in May of 2021, Smith's mother called 911 on Trice when they got into an argument about uh, Winter Smith's biological father. Trice pushed her into a lamp while she was holding Smith, and Trice also threatened to kill Winter Smith's biological father. Now, Trice tried denying that he killed Smith, but a cell phone cord, as you heard Chris mention, uh, found near her body matched one that he had in his car. Also, um, during the time that uh, Winter Smith was missing and uh, Rashad Trice was on the run, uh, he texted his uncle saying that I have to end this. So, um, a lot of disturbing allegations. Karen Drew uh, actually is going, I've been watching the promos on Channel 4. She is going to have um, um, a piece tonight, I believe in the 530 News, um, where they actually have body cam footage of Rashad Trice's um, arrest. So I'll definitely be watching that. Look, here at WJR, we, we, we take these Amber Alerts personally. We're an emergency alert system local primary station, which means that if there's a tornado warning or an Amber Alert, we we get the word, and then we distribute those warnings out to television and other radio stations. I don't think we send out the cell phone alerts, but if we do, sorry, not sorry. Um, so when these go out, we're, we're invested. And I remember when Tom revealed... Trice was found, but not Winter Smith. Um, I was very concerned, and I think our worst fears were realized. Well, you heard me mention Craig Mauger in the opening segment with his reporting on that uh, uh, a scuffle up at the uh, state GOP meeting in Clare. Craig's actually uh, one of the busiest journalists in the industry. And last week, late last week, uh, he broke three stories regarding transparency from our elected officials and in our elections themselves. Craig Mogger on Focus with Paul W. Smith. I'll tell you, uh, I would say he's on a hot streak, but this is just kind of uh, normal for our next guest. Craig Mogger is a state politics reporter for the Detroit News. He not only has the front page story under the headline, Will Lawmakers Shine a Light on Their Secret Perks? Legislators to Decide on Disclosure Rules in Next Six Months. He also has a story on former U.S. Representative Pete Hoekstra, a critic of Chinese battery plant with China Connection. And he's got the story about a prosecutor describing multiple crimes in Michigan voting equipment investigation. My goodness, Craig, you've been a busy, busy guy, but it seems like you always are. That's just part of covering Michigan politics, i got to say. There's, there's an endless amount of stories, as you know, as you guys cover every day. Well, you've done a tremendous job. Where do you want to begin? What story intrigues you the most or is most important to our WJR listeners, in your opinion? Huh, that's tough, tough to say, but I, I think the story we've got today is an important one to watch. I mean, for many years the leaders of the Michigan legislature have kicked the can down the road on doing anything to promote transparency in state politics, 
despite the fact that there have been some glaring problems and multiple criminal investigations about how money is being used in and around the Capitol, the legislature's done nothing. And now they've got kind of this hard deadline of the end of the year to decide what information about their personal finances they have to disclose. And when they talk about this, they often talk about it just in terms of what personal assets do I have? What properties do I own? What conflicts of interest do I have? But in many other states, the states have used these financial disclosures to shine light on the perks lawmakers get. Gifts, travel, entertainment, tickets to MSU basketball games, golfing rounds. These are all things that other states have required to be disclosed on these type of reports. If they choose not to require that here in Michigan, that is a decision that they're making, and it's one that's very noteworthy. should note here uh, a reminder that lawmakers actually have the ability to set up personal, and, and I wasn't aware of all of this, personal nonprofit organizations through which they have raised money from secret donors and used the funds to pay for the meals, the entertainment, and travel that they would have necessarily had to report, but not when it's through the nonprofits. The nonprofits exploit, a, as you put in your article, Craig, the nonprofits exploit a large hole in Michigan's ethics standards. If a lobbyist pays for a meal or trip for a legislator, as I mentioned, the expenditure must be reported under lobbying laws. However, if a lobbyist or corporation or an interest group gives money to a nonprofit controlled by a lawmaker, and the nonprofit pays for all those things, the transaction remains concealed because the nonprofit isn't a registered lobbyist. I mean, that's a pretty big loophole that they're jumping through. It's, it's a massive loophole. And when you go through these lobbying disclosures, which are intended to identify efforts by interest groups to sway lawmakers, I mean, that's the whole point of all this paperwork you will see very few trips ever disclosed in those reports. And it's not that the trips aren't happening. It's just that there's this easy get around. Give the money to a nonprofit organization, and then you never have to report it as long as that nonprofit isn't registered to lobby. That's why other states have used these personal financial disclosures to identify this type of lobbying and this type of influence peddling. Um, and, the, and the lawmakers you know, we'll have a choice here of whether to close this loophole or allow it to continue to benefit themselves. And by the way, this is not an insignificant amount of money. One example you give in your Detroit News yeah. story, Craig, is former House Speaker Lee Chatfield's own nonprofit organization called the Peninsula Fund reported spending dollars on food, dining, and travel and entertainment in 2020 alone. Yeah. That's a lot. Just, yeah. I mean, it's a massive amount of money. And, and it's, you know, others have spent over $100,000 on those categories in a year through this, these types of nonprofits. Uh, an extreme amount of money flows through these entities, and you can imagine why. Why would you, if you were a donor trying to influence a piece of legislation, and you know there are guys like me who go through all those reports, <laughs> why would you want that out there when you have a way of keeping it secret? 
All right. Uh, That's one of and the main uh, front page story, at least for today. But you have some other ones. And uh, uh, that is, too, uh, the the secret perks, uh, which are that those things we just talked about. The other one being uh, something on former U.S. Representative Pete Hoekstra. But I, I don't think you're alleging he has done something wrong. You're tying in the interesting fact that though he's a critic of the Chinese battery plant, he has kind of a Chinese connection in some of his uh, previous work. Yeah, I don't think he's done anything illegal here. Definitely not. I think it is uh, something worth reporting that uh, former Representative Hoekstra, who has become one of the preeminent opponents of this push to bring a Chinese battery manufacturer's plant to northern Michigan, a massive economic development project that's being pushed by Governor Whitmer's administration. He has spoken out all over the place about the threat he sees coming from China. We obtained some information about him having once lobbied for another Chinese company, despite all of the remarks he's made about the threat he sees in China. So, you know, I thought that was something that was worth reporting. We put it out there. He he has pushed back on, on this being hypocrisy. He says that, you know, it's a totally different situation because the battery plant is looking for large sums of taxpayer incentives. And he was simply uh, lobbying on behalf of a lumber company that was trying to influence policy, not trying to get incentives. So you can see a bit of a distinction there, but still noteworthy in my opinion. Sure it is, Craig, and and therefore, note to Dave Rieger, we're going to ask uh, United States Representative Pete Hoekstra to come on board and talk to us about that uh, this next week. We'll look forward to it. And finally, your third headline story, really, is the prosecutor describing multiple crimes in the Michigan voting equipment investigation. And I think I I could just now hear a, a large number of President Trump supporters saying, I knew it! But they may not like what you found. No, that's exactly right. I mean, for about a year now, we've known about this investigation into a group of Trump supporters who very actively in Michigan worked to try to get their hands on voting equipment to investigate that voting equipment in an effort to bolster claims that the equipment was somehow faulty or susceptible to hacking and could have been used to, you know, and through some means to switch these results. I mean, there's nothing has been proven to that conspiracy at this point, but this was something they were pushing. And now uh, they're under investigation and a decision on charges to come really at any moment. Craig Monger on Focus with Paul W. Smith. You're listening to The First Thing with Mike Parsons. Coming up next, Cruise Back Together, News Talk 760 WJR. All right, the whole crew's back together here. If uh, you had myself and Guy in your office pool of who would tap out first and take vacation on this new schedule, <laughs> then you would. But we're, we're, we're both very happy to be back with, uh, I'm going to call them the Iron Men, uh, Lloyd Jackson and Nick Roddy, who have yet to take a vacation. Honest to goodness, yeah. I mean, had it not been pre-planned and involving a lot of grandchildren and kids being up together up north, I, I would have foregone it. But it was, you know, it was a, it was a family thing. Well, good. I mean, guys, and it was great. You can't pass those things up. No, you cannot do it. No, and it's 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 great to be back. Like, 
I, I got to say that. Uh, yeah, you know, three, <laughs> three toddlers under the age yeah. of three, I'm freaking exhausted. <laughs> yeah. I know you are. That, yes. And, and, and Gail, they have Gail's all this... energy. Gail's honeydew list looked like the Magna Carta. Right. Okay? It was... Right. Normally, we're exhausted, you know, like, corralling you and keeping you under control. That's right. Yeah. Oh. Uh, it was... I don't think we've been able to say this uh, for a while, but it, it was kind of an exciting sports weekend uh, here in Detroit, right? The... Uh, uh, the Red Wings uh, made that uh, big trade um, for uh, his name's escaping me. Brinkett. Uh, Alex Brinkett. That, thank you. The Brinkett. Um, we're going to be talking to Steve Corney about that. Um, we're also going to be talking about the Tigers draft picks. But uh, Saturday night, um, Matt Manning, Jason Foley, and Alex Lang, they combined for a three-man no-hitter in the 2-0 win over Toronto. We won't we won't talk about what happened with the Tigers yesterday. Um, but Manning, who's not far removed from the injured list, he was throwing a no-hitter in the seventh, and he got pulled. And he, he didn't know it. He didn't even know yeah. it. Right. I was gonna, <laughs> Which is the point. You're not supposed to tell the guy. Right, right? because then right. you're going to jinx it. Because you're going to freak him out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I, I kind of I, – I, I haven't followed baseball in a while. I, I, I feel like if a guy's – Pitching a no hitter in the seventh, you leave him in here. I, I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like uh, Matt Manning got uh, a little bit robbed there of, of a no hitter. Well, Matt Manning is, was one of our big draft picks. What four years ago? Mm-hmm. Who was immediately injured? Then we got Casey Mize, who gets injured. I mean, how many how many young arms have we had that have been the future of the franchise that have ended up having to do Tommy John surgery? I mean, we got Scooble back now. Uh, Tyler Alexander's out. So my thing is, you know what? We need to protect these young arms. Heck no. I don't care what you got going. Uh, I don't care if you were throwing a perfect game. You're going to put the guy in the pitch count at seven innings, he's done. It's kind of like when uh, Steven Strasburg uh, first uh, yeah. broke into the league, and he was he, he was having a hell of a rookie season, and then they just sh- uh, shut him down the rest of the season for the playoffs. That kind of seems to be the, the new protocol now. I, you know, I, I hate the pitch count and I hate it. But in this guy's case, he's still rehabbing from this, this, this injury. So I think you protect your players for the future. But it is a once in a lifetime opportunity. That, that's the He's still in the record books. That, that's, yeah, that's he, the logical th- thing to say. Yeah, no, he, no, he is still in the record books. But yeah, I, I understand. Listen, it, it took three pitchers. They did the no hitter. You know, it was great for the franchise. You know, it's it's still in the books. And then they blew a lead yesterday. Yesterday, uh, it, which to me it, it feels so emblematic of this first uh, half of the the Tiger season. What do you think, Nick? I always like to Nick is, is always the voice of the calm, <laughs> rational voice of reason. Yeah. What, what do you think about Matt Manning being pulled in the seven thirty? No, I think it was probably the right decision. I'm with Guy. You got to protect him. Uh, AJ Hinch said he was going to pull him out after the fifth at one point because he, his stuff was getting so bad or getting worse. Mm. Um, Plus, it was an awful night, wasn't yeah, it? It was kind a of rain delay. And... It was the ball was slipping. He was slipping, and he tw- he like tweaked his back in the second inning, and it, it felt really bad to him. Hinch let Edwin Jackson throw 149 pitches for a no hitter in 2010 in the Arizona Diamondbacks. So he's not afraid of letting a yeah. guy go. And I, I'm with if guy. he's I, if he's healthy. If he's healthy, yeah. yeah. All right, he, look- it was like his fifth return, fifth start this season. He's returning from injury. Yeah, he was looking out for the kid. You don't want to take any chances. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if you guys have, have been messing around with threads here. 
Um, but I'm starting didn't to... Didn't our company tell us not to? It, well, yeah. It was already too late for me. That's right. I need to put a thing. Uh, opinions are not... Are, are those of me and not of News Talk 760 WJR. Right. Uh, number one, my short review of Threads is I, I'm i underwhelmed. It's, it's like a less functional Twitter. Mm-hmm. I don't think that... Uh, I, I don't think that launching a knockoff because people are kind of mad at the original as a recipe for success. I'm starting to think though, this is just a big work to promote the cage match because uh, <laughs> Friday, Elon Musk sent uh, Meta. Using a, those wrestling terms. <laughs> that's right. A work means it's fake and it's promoting stuff. Um, they sent that cease and desist letter on Friday um, accusing uh, Facebook of 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 hiring a bunch of former Twitter employees and, and sharing company secrets, which, you know, on one hand, it's like, okay, Elon, well, what do you expect when you just come in and lay off three-fourths of your, your workforce? But they'll they'll uh, sort that out in, in court. Um, but, yeah, it's getting kind of ugly. And I think maybe what they do is instead of settling in court um, – it's a winner-take-all match when they do this this cage match, and loser has to cease and desist. See, that makes it more interesting to yeah. me. Can't, can't we ask them both to cease and desist? <laughs> can't, we, can't we just say to both of them, would you please just freaking yes, go away? It. Or at yes, least shut up for right. a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, please. Exactly. Yeah, but I, I mean... It would be high stakes. Okay, so the, the loser has to get rid of their social media site. I love the, the cease and desist because basically, what you're, why doesn't he just go after the makers of bulletin boards and push oh, pins? Yes. And, you know, and, and cork message boards because that's basically all it is. It's just a highfalutin bulletin board. It is. And, and to say that somehow that, well, this is proprietary information and this is a very, you know, highly sophisticated technical operation and you've stolen our people. It's a billboard. <laughs> well,. Are are you stealing people if you let them go? I, I mean, Not really. well, that's the other right. thing. Yeah, <laughs> massive layoffs, and he goes, "Yeah, but they can't work for him." Right, exactly. Uh, I, I, I mean, compete. Yeah, well, I'm sure there's a non compete. Right. Yeah. By the way, uh, yeah, w- w- I just took over and I fired you and all of your friends. Could you please sign this NDA on your way out for yeah. your severance? I mean, if they if they didn't sign an NDA and if no patents were violated, I think Elon Musk is out is out of luck here. And like I said, I, I really don't feel any sympathy uh, for him because, uh, you know, there's been nothing but issues with Twitter since he took over and got rid of all those people. Yeah. At least he didn't start a new assignment and just go on vacation after two weeks. Yeah. That would be really that'd be really. <laughs> Do lame. we know someone who did that? We don't know anybody okay. who did that. No, I don't know. Nobody we know. All don't, right. don't look over at this side of the room. Okay. All right. Well, Guy and I are going to try to get our sea legs back and keep up with Nick and Lloyd who've been here the whole time. JR Morning next.